Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for black women by black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the podcast where we talk about mental health, um, particularly within the Black community, and just open up conversations about mental health. Um, Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Denise Williams, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist um, by way of California. Um, So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Denise, I'll let you tell everybody a bit about yourself. Thank you for having me, Ashley. Um, I'm glad to be here today. So my name is Denise Williams. And as you said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the state of California. I am the CEO of Well Play Counseling and Wellbeing Center uh, here in California, where our focus is on women of color. We work with um, anybody who feels comfortable showing up, but our practice is really grounded and rooted in the female energy uh, and the kind of the feminine divine. So yeah, that's what we do. Yay. <laughs> that's a part of what we do is the yeah. center. We got a couple <laughs> other things we do too. Very cool. So we are going to be talking to Denise about a few things today. Um, of course, we're going to learn a little bit more about um, WellPlay University. Um, also going to learn a little bit more about something that she's really passionate about, which is social wellness. But before we get into that, we are going to spend about two minutes answering some really quick questions. So don't take too much time to think about it. Um, Just say the first thing that comes to mind, (laughs) whatever, whatever you're feeling. All right. Okay. So two minutes starts now. All right. If you had to eat one thing for dinner for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, Hamburgers, but vegetarian hamburgers. Ooh, with cheese, like veggie cheese or real cheese? No, real cheese. Real cheese. Okay. I'm not vegan, just vegetarian. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I am an introvert for, I'm sorry, I'm an extrovert probably for 12 hours out of the day. And then I'm an introvert for the other 12 hours of the day. I like it. 50-50 down the middle. (laughs) Um, What's one thing about you that surprises people? uh I just got a puppy and everybody's really shocked they're like you got a dog <laughs> like, what, what do you all think what's what's yeah what do you what what's that about people are like I don't know you just it just doesn't seem like you <laughs> what kind of dog is it I have a little Yorkshire Terrier and he's oh, just, cute. Yeah, he's so cute <laughs> what's his name his name is coffee oh coffee cute very cute um, okay, so who or what was your biggest teacher? Who or what was my biggest teacher? Probably my mother. Your mother, love it. Um, knowing what you know now, um, what's one piece of advice that you give your 18-year-old self? Um, 
work a lot more diligent, work harder and more diligently on my physical health. Okay. Um, what are, if you had to choose two words to describe yourself, what would they be? Love and action. That's the way. That's okay. We'll take it. (laughs) Um, top two favorite movies. Oh, oh, that's so unfair. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Willy Wonka. Okay. The original. The original. Yes. The original. (laughs) (laughs) Not the new one. I love Johnny Depp, but not the new one. (laughs) Right. The original. And oh my God. Um, oh God, it's just so unfair. There's so many. Color Purple, Godfather. uh, I don't know. You want to throw one more in there? Joy Luck Club. Okay. (laughs) Okay, last one. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, I think the best piece of advice that I've ever been given came from my mother. And she said, when you can no longer look yourself in the mirror and be okay with who you are, then you know you have a problem. Oh, wow. That's deep. I like that. I've never heard that, but I like that. Yeah. I love it. So thanks for playing that game with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun game. <laughs> um, so Denise, I know that we, when we first, uh, when we spoke the other day, we talked a little bit about, of course, WellPlay. Um, Denise has a really cool platform on Instagram. We'll talk about that later. But um, I know one thing that, that we did talk about was um, particularly in the Black community, mental health being something that we kind of like talk around at times and how that has kind of like changed in the past 10 years, 15 years or so. Um, But when we talk about black health, particular mental health, particularly for black women, um, and we talk a little bit about community, like how do those things connect for you? Um. When you say connect for me, you mean like black women and mental health in the community and me personally, or just for the community? I guess more so for the community. Like when we think about the, um, the culture of community and then how that can affect black women that are seeking mental health or trying to take care of their mental health. Um, woof loaded I, I dove in the deep end I know <laughs> um so what I want to say is that I am so happy um as a black woman meaning like it's not that I don't have struggles not that I don't see the struggles but like being a black woman is a very it's a beautiful thing I think we come with uh some just really dopeness um from our culture and what creates and what kind of constitutes being a black woman. But the one thing that hits home for me all the time is the pain that we carry and how deep that pain is. And I think what I want most of all for the community is, is that to know that they have a place that they don't have to just keep hurting. You know, the saying, it is what it is. It just is what it is. That's where people come in. It is what it is. I'm like, but it don't have to be what it is, right? It could be something different. And so really trying to get women to recognize that they don't have to continue to carry the pain that they carry. It doesn't have to be what it is. Yeah. 
I love that. I love that. So Denise, I know you, um, you have had a couple different careers and, um, now of course you're a licensed marriage and family therapist, but how did you get to that point? Um, as a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, so this is career number two, just two careers. I am mm-hmm. thinking about a third. I really like photography. Oh, I love it. Uh, um, so, but prior to that, I was an event uh, in the event business, uh, event planner, do, do really large events. Um, I worked Coachella for about ten or twelve years. Coachella for about ten or twelve years, and very cool. Uh, yeah, just some a bunch of different music festivals. Um, but I got my start in arena, arena management. <clears throat> so I've worked for some large arenas, opened new arenas, closed some arenas, that type of stuff. Um, and I, I still to this day absolutely love to do events. I just, I do. But one of the things that, that if you really are entrenched in the event community, you know that that work really is about the memory business, right? When you go to a concert, you go to an event, you're creating magical moments and memories, right? And people walk in and sometimes you see the kid who's, or the person who's doing something for the first time and sometimes for the last time, right? I've worked with a lot of Make-A-Wish or people who've been ill and they don't know if they're gonna make it back. So, um, so, so from, from different places, but what I do know is in the, on those moments that they're beautiful. And so, I, I really, I still love the event business, but I wanted to do something with purpose. And I have my own struggle around mental health and my own struggles with finding a therapist that was culturally competent, that looked like me. Um, and I'm a foster adoptive mother. And so I had two girls who I spent a lot of time with in therapy and they kept asking me if I was a therapist. I was like, no, I'm not a therapist. Um, anyway, but in time I decided to become a therapist. And so really this is for me, the merging of two, two passions um, because my goal, and we'll talk more about social wellness, but that really is the merging of, right? This social aspect with this mental health piece. Um, I saw the joy when people were together collectively and that just stays with me. Now imagine that you can take some mental health education, what we call psychoeducation, and you can merge that into those moments and take this magical, beautiful moment, take some information, education, and give that to people and then let them run with it. It's just, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and it's very inspiring that you have shifted from one career to the next and potentially a third. Um, So I, I love that. That's, I admire you for that. Um, so when it comes to mental health, um, in the huge realm that it is, um, it's changed a lot. And like, what's one of the biggest changes that you've seen in mental health in the past 10, 15 years? Well, I started in 2012, so I haven't quite been here that long. (laughs) I went back to school, um, and I started seeing clients 2012, but, um, that people are asking for what they need and black women are asking for black women to be their therapist. Yeah. That's really powerful. I think it's, I think it is, it's a brave thing to do. And I think that the more, the more that people do it and the more people are in the space, both as therapists, as, and people, as people getting, receiving therapy, um, the, the better it will be. Um, and I kind of hope that for people that, 
potentially don't have, you know, a black therapist in their area. Um, I know for me, I've seen that the increase in like virtual therapy mm-hmm. gets those people connected to yes. people that they're more comfortable with. Um, you know, of 2020, I think I saw a huge leap in like, um, you know, therapists and psychologists advertising their services virtually mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I know before, just from my own research, there weren't as many virtual um, sessions available. A lot of people didn't really do things on the computer unless you, you know, saw them in person. So yeah. I know for myself, having that access virtually is yeah. amazing. You know, COVID has been a lot of things, but every now and then there's been some good things. And I think that's one of the good things about COVID is that it gave people permission to explore really working virtually with people. And so I think that's been a big thing. Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to mental health, all the changes and and the good things that have changed, what's one thing that you would improve across the mental health space if you kind of like had a magic wand and could do something to change something across the board, what would it be? Affordability and accessibility, Mm. right? Uh, The ability to access mental health services um, through, you know, costs. Unfortunately, it's still cost prohibitive for a lot of people and some people have insurance, some people don't. Um, And there's a lot that goes on around insurance that makes it kind of complicated, but affordability. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge one. I think that the, that's such a big barrier for people that want to get help. Um, And it's just really intimidating. I think even when you feel like you may be in a place to spend the money, even then it's kind of like, well, is it worth it? Well, do I have to go four times a month? Can I do it once a month? You know, what's going to be realistic for me and what's realistic long-term. So yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit more about social wellness and, and what that means to you and kind of how you came up with that term. So, yeah, absolutely. So um, prior to deciding to go back and get my master's degree, Um, I was really having a hard time. I was working 18 hours, 20 hour days, sometimes 14, 15 hour days in the business. And, uh, I have my own struggles with mental health and I had a major, a major depressive episode. Um, and when I came out on the other side of that, one of the things that came with me was that I needed to care and love for myself in a way that I hadn't been. And I woke up and I wrote on my mirror, me first. And in that moment, I didn't understand all that it encompassed, but I just understood that never again would I put so many things before me that I had to lead, right? It had to be me first in order for me to do for other people. So in time, I started talking to friends, started sharing this kind of concept with friends, started thinking about this with friends. Um, And I was trying to understand, like, how do I help women? My friends were like, oh, you got to teach people this. You got to teach people that. I was like, what am I teaching them? I was like, you know, what what is this? And they're like, oh, you could be a coach. And I was like, "Eh, I don't want to be a coach. And I'm a Virgo. And so like, right, as a Virgo, like you're like the perfection, like you got to know everything. You got to like, you feel like you got to know everything and stuff. And so I thought, well, I want to understand why we don't take care of ourselves. Why, why, why don't we? Because as I started to talk to people, Black women were like, yeah, no, I don't want to don't. And this was about 20, this was about 2009. And so self-care wasn't 
didn't hear about it. It wasn't popular. We couldn't yeah. Google it, couldn't find it. People didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh, I got to take care of me, right? And people were like, oh, I get my hair done. I get my nails done. I was like, I ain't talking about your hair and nails. I'm talking about really taking care of yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, so what began to develop was this idea, right? Because remember, I'm an event planner. I was like, well, what if we have these cool events where women do things where they take care of themselves? Like, what if we have an event like at a spa? What if we have an event, right? Because in my mind, everything's an event. What if we have an event and it's a spa day? What if we have an event? Mm -hmm. And then this idea kept coming up because again, this was right in the midst of me working with my two children, my two daughters who had come out of foster care and trying to get them together. And I was thinking a lot about therapy and I started, again, thinking about why don't we take care of ourselves? So the idea of going back to school and becoming a therapist was growing also at the same time in my mind. And so I decided to go back to school and get my master's. But before I did that, I had already developed this concept around me first self-care. And it really was the merging of these events. And then I was like, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to learn about like, how to be a therapist and mental health. I'm going to put them together. And so I started doing work and I started doing research and started looking and I had friends helping me. Cause like I said, I was doing the event business, but my friends knew that I wanted to do this. And so they started helping me. They started helping me develop me first and looking at it. And I realized like what I really wanted was to create this company where I could create these events that had this wellness component into it. Right. It's just the event industry. I just want to add this component. It'll be great. Um, and so that was kind of the birth, the merging of these two things, right? This career and this career I want to go to. And so when I started to do research, I was like, oh, so I want to do this social, you know, but there's this wellness piece. And for me at the time, it was like five wellness pieces, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and then kind of like this financial piece. But of course, when I went back to school to become a therapist, the mental health piece really kind of, really kind of grew out of it. Um, and then the last part of it is there's this play piece to it, right? So even though there's this social people coming together, then there's the play and then there's a the psychoeducation. It's those three components. Because guess what? When we play, we're happy. We're good, mm -hmm. right? Play, we need to play. And play is not always like play just like when we were kids, but play could be you know, getting together and doing yoga. Play could be getting together and swimming. Play could get together and do a bike ride. Play can be lots of things, right? But it's the kind of gathering and, and moving and, and hanging out. Play could be art, you know? So there's lots of different ways for us to play. So really it's the, the merging of those three components, right? It's the mental health or psychoeducation. It's the play piece. And then it's the social piece where we gather collectively. Yeah. I want to, I want to dig a little bit deeper into the play piece, because I think that's something that, um, we don't like, of course, there's a lot of education that's out there. Um, and I, I think that the play piece is something that we just don't really talk about. We, we don't really associate with mental health. Um, uh, mental health kind of has this stigma of like, you've got to be on a couch, laid down and, you know, talking about like the worst thing that ever happened to you for an hour and then you leave, um, where I love the aspect of like, we can be joyous and, and happy and heal while being happy at, you know, as opposed yeah. to always being like sad. Right. Well, and the play piece is really big because <clears throat> I think as black women, so many of us have been parentified so early where 
we lost the ability to be children at a very early age, whether it was because of poverty, because of finances, because coming from single parents, our, our parents who, even two-parent households, but parents who weren't quite equipped emotionally, um, right, because they were busy or they just didn't have what it takes, right? Because again, our parents have come from uh, a lot of trauma as well. Um, and that doesn't mean that every household was a bad household. So I, I don't want to give that either. But it just that, you know, a lot of times we had to be serious a lot sooner, a lot earlier. You know, education was a big deal and we didn't have time to play. We had to get our education. And so I think we just didn't do a lot of play. You know, when you get around a lot of Black women, we are playful. You know, we yeah. like to we like to get together and we laugh like to and have, have a good time. Right? We like to have fun, right? But sometimes we're just so serious. So, you know, intentional play is really important. Intentional play, the ability to get together and know really that you're going to play to go have a good time. Yeah. And so what, I know that you mentioned like yoga, like swimming is, is, does that also include things like art or like, yeah, just absolutely. Okay. No, no, absolutely. Art. So like, uh, like a social wellness event looks like, so, uh, after Trump got elected, I just had women coming into my office and they were angry. I was angry. Yeah. There was just so much rage. So I created this event called Rage, Releasing Anger, Grief, and Other Emotions. And the idea was, I realized like, what do we do with anger? Because we were told we couldn't be angry Black women. So what do we do with this anger? Because we was we were mad, right? We still yeah, mad, right? Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So it's like, what do we do with that? Like, what, what do we do with that? How do we deal with that? And so I thought, what if we came together and we kind of worked on and thought about how to give ourselves some permission to be angry so we can move past the stereotype of this angry Black woman that we're all trying to avoid, right? Mm-hmm. When we have every reason to be angry, like they're killing our sons, our daughters, us, right? Um, we've got microaggressions at work. We're not getting promotions. We don't get paid the same. Like we got so much stuff to be angry about. But what do we do with it? Because we've got the stereotypes. So my goal was the very first rage I did was to take a group of women to the beach. And we kind of did like this bonfire and we talked about what it meant to be angry. What comes under anger? What does that look like? How can we release it, right? How do we feel our feelings without behaving them, right? Without bashing somebody over the head without- Yeah, I like that. (laughs) How do we feel our feelings without behaving them? I like that. Yeah. And so, right. And so that's what I was looking for. And so I brought in some drummers and we did this like drumming where they led us through this kind of wailing and dancing and singing to release. Right. Cause that's what we needed. We needed a release. Um, I had a few women show up. It was really good. They were really excited about it. They felt good. And then I did it one other time where I took a group of women again to the beach and we learned and we talked about, we talked about feelings and emotions and then we went to a kickboxing studio this time and we worked it out on the bag. Um, nice. And so that's what I mean. Like play can be lots of things, right? Um, we had a really cool instructor. She's really great. Um, and, you know, she helped us really get into it, feel deep and then work it out of our bodies. Yeah. And I, I like the, the integration of like exercise in being physically active without the constant pressure of like, I want to lose weight because I think sometimes we focus so much on, um, we, we relate physical activity with 
the goal of like getting to where society wants us to be um, and shifting the mindset a little bit. I know for, my, for myself, I've actually started kickboxing like a few months ago and it was a mindset shift. Like I've been an athlete all my life. And so my goal is always to like be in shape, lose weight, gain muscle, all that. Um, so I had some of those goals, but it was big for me to just like, I just need to get in there and like punch the hell out of this bag and not think about everything else and just kind of like give myself permission to stop stressing. Um, so yeah, I I love that the integration between like play and physical activity and releasing emotions and like that permission to feel, and then like the, the, you know, the direction of like, what do you do now? You're feeling all this rage. You're feeling all this anger. You're feeling all these feelings. Like, where do I go from here? (laughs) Right. right. That's exactly right. And, and the other big piece and, and, um, people don't talk about this, but what happens when you are with a collective of other women, right? Um, as a therapist, many of us can see so much more when we are in a group of women. See, I can see the pathology, right? I can see things coming out in your interaction with other women and how you're moving so much faster than if I just sitting with you on the couch and asking you a bunch of questions. See, I can see things much better, much faster. Um, and then we can work through and see some of that and, and have those kind of discussions. So yeah. a lot of things are happening in that space. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. So let's talk about WellPlay University. Um, I know you talked a little bit about how, <clears throat> excuse me, about how you came up with the concept um, and who it's for. Um, so what, what kind of classes do you host with WellPlay? So with WellPlay University right now, we had launched where we wanted to do some individual classes, but I realized that like in all businesses, um, you know, you grow through your grow, you go through growing pains, and one of our growing pains is right getting the word out about what social wellness is and letting people know that they're there. So there's there are really like four components to well play. So we want to go back eventually to the individual classes where people can go online and be like, oh, I want to sign up for that class. And we had classes like trauma informed yoga, you know, crystal healing, things like that all the things that kind of complement your journey of mental wellness, right? So if you're seeing a therapist, this, these classes are not meant to be in lieu of therapy. They're meant to complement therapy, right? If you're doing trauma work in, um, in therapy, trauma-informed yoga is a way to, to, to reset the nervous system, right? And you often don't get that in one-on-one therapy. You're gonna go, you're gonna deal with your trauma and then you're gonna go home, right? WellPlay University is about complementing that journey and helping you become whole, right? Therapy helps you kind of deal with the symptoms of things that are wrong, but it also, it doesn't always leave you feeling whole. And so social wellness is a way to help you go in, take those things you learned in therapy and then find classes that help you then complement that journey. Um, And so it could be classes on, it can be classes on anxiety where you're, yes, you're getting more tools and tips, but in that class, if you're with another, which you're, if you're with a bunch of other black girls who have anxiety too, right? We have a good time. We can laugh about it, talk about it. I, I have different skills and tools that I give, but kind of in a different way. And we kind of laugh our way through the anxiety, right? And to, to we kind of feel better, but being in a group and being with a group of women where 
you know that they know how hard it is for you to just show up or that anxiety that you're carrying or the tension that you're carrying or the fear that you're not enough or the constant rumination of those thoughts are going through your mind, but you're with a group of women and you're not the only one who's carrying that, that in itself brings a sense of healing, right? Um, so there's the individual classes that we are looking to go back to in this very moment, we're not offering them, but that is our ultimate goal is to get back there. But what we are offering are like classes for organizations, groups, and sister friend groups, right? So I have a couple of, a couple of groups where a sister friend will call and say, hey, um, there was a death in our group of friends. And so I might do a grief class or she may call and say, you know what? Nobody's taking care of themselves. We're all exhausted. We need some self-care. We need some self-care. And so then, you know, I'll talk to the group. We'll talk about what they need. I give self-care tips. They might, it might be bring a glass of wine. You know what I mean? It may be, you know, and then we'll talk about self-care tips. They check in, they talk about what's going on. And I just kind of facilitate the group help them process what they're feeling, give them good tips. And we play, you know, we do some play in there. Again, it's a little different because it's virtual, but right, even within the virtual world, we find a way to play, we find a way to laugh through it, those type of things. Um, and so then there's also the initiatives that we use inside of WellPlay University. So like Rage is initiative, Me First Self-Care is an initiative. So sometimes I'll do like, we do the Rage. And so that is through WellPlay University where it's a very specific, instead of it being like you searching for what you need, it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna do a rage class. And so then you can come and join and, and participate in the rage class. Or it might be eight weeks of self-care where you actually, so there's a lot of stuff out there about self-care right now, but really what we're not doing is talking about and getting to the bottom of what self-care, why we as women of color struggle with our self-care and really looking at what self-care is beyond just an activity of, oh, I went to the spa or I meditated or I did this, like what's underneath? How do we get to a lifestyle of self-care as opposed to an activity of self-care? Mm, I love that. So if somebody, if somebody were to um, visit your website and they want to sign up for the eight weeks of self-care, is that eight um, classes, like one class per week? And then how big of a group can they expect? Um, and is it just you or are there other facilitators? Um, so I have other facilitators. It depends on the timing. But what happens is, so let's say you and your group of friends are like, yeah, we all need self-care. So you guys would get together. So that's the beauty of it is that you do it with your friends. And so you'd call and you'd say, hey, we want to do the self-care. And so we can customize that. So it's like, okay, what does your group need? Well, we want to do the self-care. Okay, what's a great day? Well, Sunday works best for us or Saturday works best for us, right? So it's you and your group of friends. So you're not with a bunch of friends. This is you and your sister friends taking care of each other together, collectively learning, playing and growing together. Perfect, perfect. And then if I am somebody that may not have a ton of friends, um, I can kind of wait. Should I wait for like the individual classes to come back? Um, or is there room for any of those uh, in any of those groups that are already set? So, yeah, we can always check if we're doing a group to see if it's OK to bring you into a group. But you know what? You can always call and let us know, because what happens is what you don't know is that somebody else out there might be like, yeah, I need it, too, but I don't have a group of friends. And then I'm bringing you all together. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I would know, like you're telling me you need it. And this person telling me like, OK, well, I got five women and we're going to go ahead and start a class. Very cool. Very cool. So. I really love the concept of WellPlay University. Um, for those people that are listening that may be interested, like where can they find you? Sure. You can go to www.well-play.com 
university.com or you can go to well-play.com. Either way, you can, it, it'll take you to our website or you can find us on Instagram at wellplaywellbeing um, and click there and there's some classes. If you're in the state of California right now, we also have some group classes that are gonna be going on, but those are therapeutic classes. So they're different from social wellness because they're actually therapy classes, but that, that's there too. We've got a Black Girls Rock and we've got um, a class for Asian American Pacific Islanders. Um, you know, they got hit pretty hard this year with a lot of Asian hate and things like that. So we have that group going on. Um, we got a cool group called Parenting Your Way. <clears throat> and that group is uh, designed for Black women who are tired of looking and are waiting for that perfect marriage to have a family and who've decided that either I'm going to adopt, I'm going to do in vitro, I'm going to just get knocked up, but I'm going to have a baby, whatever. <laughs> I, I haven't heard of anybody like focusing on that. And I always wonder with all the statistics, particularly around black women and, and, you know, where we lie in the dating pool and where we lie also on dating apps and all of those things. And I'm sure that there are black women out there that may not think that may not, you know, that may feel pressure to be in like this monogamous, socially acceptable relationship in order to, you know, take the quote unquote, next step of having mm -hmm. child. Um, and that's so important that people, you know, have a, have support in stepping away from that, because that's also stigmatized within our community. Anything straying outside of like the norm of a man, woman getting married, and then having a baby. I feel like even in vitro, you don't really hear about people in our community doing things like that. Freezing eggs, but you know what? It is happening. But that was really, so what happened is I had women uh, that were coming into the practice and because that's what I focus on, you know, I have a lot of uh, women who come to the practice who are grounded and rooted in their careers. There's doctors, there's lawyers, they're making good money. It's not an economic situation. It's, uh, I just haven't met that man. Or I'm not interested in that man or I'm just not in the man, like whatever their case is, right? And, and what was happening is, Nobody was asking them, do you really want to give up your ability to be a mother just because you haven't met your partner? And when I started asking women that, and I started encouraging them to explore that, because once your clock ticks out, your clock ticks out, it's done. To have those regrets are not fun. And so asking yourself before and, and figuring that out for yourself before, I think is really important. So I thought, if we could create a community or a, a group where women could explore that collectively, right? Moving past the stigma, the shame, right? Of being a single mom. And remember, I'm an adoptive foster mom and I did that as a single woman. I, I'm not a married woman. So um, that was also part of my story is that I chose to be adoptive foster parent. I, I had a mom who was ahead of her time. And so, you know, she kind of was like, yeah, just go get you some babies. Uh, I was like, what? But it's like, I don't know what I mean, go get some babies. But the point that I'm, the point that I'm making is that, you know, for my mom, there was no shame. And she was just like, this is important to you. You've loved kids your whole life. You've always wanted to have kids. It's important. Don't let this, don't miss the opportunity because you feel like you don't have this perfect marriage and stuff like that. And so, but everybody doesn't have a supportive family who gives them this, you know, not that you need permission from other people, but sometimes, you know, you're, you are, you're held and bound by these family norms and things like that. 
because um, I did. I said to my mom, well, you always said don't get knocked up and have no bunch of babies. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've done what you were supposed to do in your life. Don't right. lose that opportunity. So anyway, so, you know, my goal is to, to uh, be able to create spaces, right, for women to have these conversations. That's kind of what it's about, right? Looking at the headlines and seeing like, what's out there? What, what topics? What, where are we struggling? How can we give space and permission to, to have these conversations in a safe, playful, serious, but healthy way? <laughs> but healthy. I love it. I love it. And I just have one, I'm going to wrap it up because I know that this has been a great conversation. Um, I hope we get to talk again in the future. Um, but I do want to ask you something that I ask every guest that comes on the show. And the question is, what affirmation would you give your younger self? What affirmation would I give my younger self? Huh. That's a really good question. <laughs> what affirmation would I give my younger self? Um, I, I think the affirmation that every day that is really would be important for me when I was younger, and that would be, don't be afraid of what you think people think you look like. Mm. and how you present I was very caught up in um you know I had my struggles with my weight and things like that and it took me a long time to come to really love myself body positivity is a big thing now but when I was coming up it was not right and I was always worried about if I was going to be okay if people were going to I always felt good I was always a happy person but I, I did struggle with like how people were going to see me yeah. Yeah. That's something that always stays in the back of your head. I feel like, and it takes work to, to move away from the worry of how people perceive you mm-hmm. and focus on not only how you perceive yourself, but trying to like separate your own, <laughs> your own perception of what you see in the mirror away from what people are expecting you to look like, or mm-hmm. sound like, or, you know, whatever it may be. But I, I really, really like that. Well, Denise, I I thank you so much. This has been really fun. Um, This is a great, uh, this was a really, really great episode and a great conversation. And um, for, I just want to thank you before I wrap up. Thank you so much. You know, I want to thank you too. And let me tell you why. Thank you. No, this is so important is because so many people have suffered in silence. And you give a voice to so many people who can't voice it themselves, especially with anxiety. Thank <laughs> you, you. You, you are giving a voice to, you know, half my caseload about the pain, the hurt, the things that they need to hear or they wanted to hear, and that there's other people out there that are struggling too. So no, thank you for doing this work. Like, you know, I'm doing this work. I went to school, I'm getting paid, you know, in so many ways, right? Um, I'm seeing clients, but for you, this is just a passion. And that's just beautiful that you have taken it to a place where you're advocating in this way for people. So thank you for your work that you're doing to let people know that you can heal and that you are not just your anxiety. And that's the, that's the big part, like is letting people know that, that they aren't just anxiety, right? You're Ashley and you have anxiety, but you're not Ashley anxiety. 
Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Um, and hopefully we can continue to stay in touch and, you know, help build this community and this network. And as always, um, we will be happy to shout you out on Black Girls Have Anxiety too. Um, as far as anything new that you're doing in your space, we want to hear about it. We want to tell our community about it. Um, thank you again, Denise, and thank you to everybody that has tuned in to yet another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. Um, make sure to tune in for the next episode um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, oh, and we've got a little guest here. <laughs> we've got Coffee, Denise's little, um, little new puppy that people didn't think she was going to get, but he's really, really cute if you're listening. Um, <laughs> if you're listening and not watching. Um, but thank you to, to everybody that's shown up today. Um, I really appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with Denise and find out more about Wellplay University, all of the information will be in the description um, uh, from her IG to website, uh, everything you need to get in touch with her. Um, but yeah, thank you again for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety too. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal. <laughs>